0: As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are in this season after Easter of exploring what it means for us to be apostles, those who are sent out to share the good news of Easter. And as Nicole just explained, our scripture readings today invite us to consider this metaphor of God as the shepherd and us as the sheep. We heard a little bit of Psalm 23 that Nicole just shared with us, and we also sang our first hymn, which was a setting of the 23rd Psalm. In a moment, we'll hear a passage from the very end of the Gospel of John, from chapter 21, which is the third time that the post-resurrected Jesus appears to the disciples. In that first appearance that Jesus makes to his disciples That's where he turns them into apostles. As the Father has sent me, he tells them, so I send you. But unfortunately, that pronouncement doesn't really stick. The disciples don't seem to know what it means to be sent, and they actually don't seem to want to be sent out anyway. They wanted things to go back to the way they were before Jesus died, where they were the disciples who could sit and listen, and he would teach them and guide them. So instead of going out and sharing the good news, they eventually decide to go back to what they did before they ever met jesus fishing So they go out on a boat onto the water, and they spend a whole night fishing, fishing, and they catch nothing. Then a man on the shore calls out to them to put their nets on the other side of the boat, which they do, and suddenly the nets are bursting with fish. That's when Peter realizes that the man on the shore must be Jesus. He swims to shore. The rest of the disciples come in. Jesus has a fire going. He feeds them breakfast. And that's where we pick up today's reading, which comes from John 21, verses 15 through 19. You can follow along in your pew Bibles, if you like, on page 109, or if you're watching online, on the screen. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, Jesus said to him, Follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One summer during seminary I worked as a student chaplain in a hospital in Pennsylvania. My training required me to carry a pager in case there was an emergency. Anybody remember what a pager is? Those things we used to carry around to contact us when we were away from our landlines. Well, one day, the pager went off and summoned me to the intensive care unit, where I discovered a family gathered around the bed of their dying husband and father. I introduced myself as the chaplain, and the wife immediately said to me, Please, could you say the 23rd Psalm for us? It's his favorite Now I was raised in a Presbyterian church and I had one year of seminary under my belt at this point, but it was a Presbyterian seminary, which meant there was a lot more emphasis on theology and church history and reading the Bible in Greek and Hebrew than in memorizing Bible verses. This was long before smartphones and Bible apps, and it just hadn't occurred to me yet that I should probably be carrying around a pocket Bible. I really wasn't sure whether I could do what she had asked me to do, but I had to try. So I began, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And to my surprise, the rest of the psalm tumbled out, more or less. I definitely didn't get every word right, and I completely left out the paths of righteousness, but it was close enough that it seemed to give this family some small comfort. Psalm 23 is one of those cultural touchstones many of us learn without even realizing it. There are lots of other things we learn this way. The Pledge of Allegiance, the National Anthem, Nursery Rhyme, certain Taylor Swift songs. Often we learn these things before we even understand what we're saying, and Psalm 23 is no exception But as we read it, it should come as no surprise that it is often the first scripture requested when death lurks on our doorstep or when we're planning for the funeral. But since today isn't a funeral service, I thought it might be a good time to talk about the one small troubling thing buried amidst all the beautiful poetry and comforting promise of Psalm 23. Did you catch it? The psalm suggests we are sheep, and that's not a particularly flattering comparison. It turns out that sheep are not the smartest animals around. In fact, they are some of the dumbest. We might think pigs are the dirtiest animals in the barnyard, but they have nothing on sheep. In fact, one of the only things sheep have going for them, as Nicole pointed out, is their incredibly selective hearing. They know and respond to the sound of their own shepherd's voice. In places where there are lots of sheep, I remember seeing shepherds and flocks of sheep when I lived in Northern Ireland for a year, different flocks can mix and mingle in one place because when a shepherd gives his unique call, all the sheep that belong to him withdraw from the crowd and follow him. It's fortunate that sheep have such good hearing because they have terrible eyesight. They can only see about six feet in front of their faces, which is probably why they need a shepherd in the first place, because they are constantly getting lost. So while it is lovely to think of the Lord as our shepherd, the good shepherd, the one who will always find us, the one whose voice we can pick out of a crowd... To imagine ourselves as sheep is a humbling prospect. In fact, the only thing more humbling than being compared to sheep is the notion that we are also called to be shepherds. When Peter arrives on that shore after seeing Jesus from the boat, Jesus asks him three times if he loves him offering Peter an opportunity to redeem himself from those three times he denied knowing Jesus after Jesus had been arrested. Peter reassures Jesus more and more fervently that, yes, he loves him. And each time, Jesus invites Peter to show that love in a tangible way to the people Jesus loves. Feed my lambs, Jesus says. Tend my sheep. Feed my my sheep. Jesus ends this conversation telling Peter one last time, follow me. So Peter, Jesus' trusted friend, in spite of his many mistakes and missteps, is called to be both disciple and apostle, both sheep and shepherd. And so, it seems, are we. And when Jesus sends us out to love others by feeding and tending them, he is talking about creating a community. A community that relies on each other, that depends on each other, that makes sacrifices for each other, and helps one another faithfully follow Jesus. It is a community of sheep who are also shepherds. So what does that look like? The Methodist pastor, Grace Imathew tells a story from her native Kenya about a group of animals who lived on a farm. One day, the rat, who lives in the walls of the farmer's house, peers through a hole in the wall and sees the farmer and his wife opening a package. The rat watches and is dismayed to see them pull from the package a rat trap. In a panic, the rat calls a council of farm animals and in a hushed and trembling voice tells them what he has seen. Over and over, he repeats, there's a rat trap in the house. The cow listens. The goat and chicken listen. Chicken scratches at the floor and finally says, well, brother rat, I just keep thinking. Rat trap in the house. So what? I've never heard of a chicken caught in a rat trap. I don't see what this has to do with me. It's none of my business. The goat nods at the chicken's words and then speaks with understanding and pity. Brother rat, you take care now. I'll be praying for you. And remember, God loves you. Take care now, you hear? The cow chews her cud for a while, thinking hard, and finally says, It's like I'm confused. Why are we here? It's like I'm thinking, you know, I'm too big to fit in that trap. And I figure, well, that trap's not for me. And with that, the cow walks away. That same night, late, late that night, goes the rat trap, followed by a piercing scream and pandemonium. A snake had crawled into the rat trap. The farmer's wife reached over, and the snake bit her. The farmer rushed her to the hospital, but it was too late. She died. The farmer comes home in shock. And as you know, people in shock need fresh chicken soup. The next day, neighbors and relatives come from all around to comfort the farmer, who gives permission for the goat to be slaughtered for dinner. On the day of the funeral, so many people come that the only way to feed them is to kill the cow and make beef stew. All because of a rat trap in the house. We are all in this together. The rat trap that threatens one of us, threatens all of us. If not now, then eventually. But did you notice which farm animal was missing from this story? The sheep. Which is interesting, because although sheep aren't the brightest bulbs in the barnyard, they do have a very strong herding instinct. Sheep resist being alone. They won't even eat if they don't have visual confirmation that other sheep are nearby, and because of their terrible eyesight, those sheep have to be close together to get that visual confirmation. I can't help but wonder, if the sheep had been a part of that council of farm animals that day, maybe it could have convinced the others that a rat trap in the house was not something to be ignored. It would affect them all. Psalm 23 moves us in part because the language is so personal. It's about how God interacts and provides and guides and cherishes and pursues me, whether I'm with the flock or not. John 21 is personal too, but in a different kind of way. It's not so much about what God does for me, but what God asks me to do in response when I put myself in Peter's shoes. Do you love me? Jesus asks. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then look beyond your own needs to ensure everyone knows the love and care, mercy and compassion of God. Do you love me? Then live for others as much as for yourself. Don't ignore the rat trap in the house. Jesus knows firsthand that if one of us suffers, we all suffer. If one of us is threatened, we are all threatened. And so he calls us to be sheepish, to listen for the shepherd's voice and to stick together. He also sends us out to look out for one another, especially the most vulnerable. This is how God invites us to create community. On the day of the Columbine school shooting, Patrick Ireland, who was a junior at the school, was in the library. During the shooting, a bullet lodged in his brain, disturbing his vision, wiping out his ability to speak, and paralyzing the right side of his body. For a while, he blacked out. When he regained consciousness, he had one coherent thought. He had to get out of there. It took him three hours to drag himself across the library to a blown out window. But by some miracle, he eventually made it and managed to pull himself up and jump out the window into the arms of a SWAT team waiting below. More than a year later, a long year of recovery, Patrick graduated and gave the valedictory speech. In his speech, he admitted it had been a rough year. The shooting made the country aware of the unexpected level of hate and rage that had been hidden in high schools. But he was convinced that the world was inherently good at heart. He'd spent the year reflecting on his ordeal and finally realized that what had gotten him across the library floor was hope, but even more, it was trust. Trust in his community. When I fell out that window, I knew somebody would catch me, he said. That's what I need to tell you, that I knew the loving world was there all the time. We are disciples of Jesus. Jesus who came to show us what God's compassion and presence looks like and we are apostles of the risen Lord, sent to share that compassion and presence. In a culture where divide and conquer is the rule of the day, where we are told to ignore the rat traps of poverty across town, gun violence in some other school or neighborhood, war in Sudan and Ukraine, in such a time as this, we feed and tend God's sheep by looking and going where the suffering is, by showing up for each other, by living like we are all in this together. We can do this by tutoring a child at Henry Marsh Elementary or monitoring the hallways at MLK Middle School. We can do it by advocating for our neighbors who can't afford adequate housing, even though they're working more than full-time. We can do it by making casseroles for a grieving family, or by taking time to listen to a friend in crisis. In all these ways, we live as sheep in the same flock, sticking together and keeping watch over one another. We also live as shepherds, feeding and tending to one another, even as we listen for and trust in the good shepherd who gathers and guides us all. Amen.